Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. Hope you enjoyed a fantastic, thrilling Super Bowl. The New York Giants, champions of the NFL. Coming up in our next segment, it's headlines. We'll cover some of the post-Super Bowl numbers for you. In segment three, Russell Baxter, our friend from ProFootballGuru.com, will join us to put a wrap on the NFL season. We'll look back on the Super Bowl, some of the numbers for the Giants and the Patriots. In segment four, Sam Amick, our friend from SI.com and NBAconfidential.com. He covers the NBA for Sports Illustrated. He'll join us and we'll chat about some of the top storylines in the NBA thus far this season. Couple of other notes, visit my Sports Business blog, download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Listen to our podcast on iTunes. Just go on to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. You can find us there. We're rated as one of the top 150 podcasts in the business news section on iTunes. You can enjoy that every week. All right, headlines coming up next. I'm Brian Berger. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is SBR. Back with more after this. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Well, Super Bowl 46 in the books. The Giants beat the Patriots 21-17. And we've got some numbers for you. First of all... This goes down as the most watched Super Bowl in history. 166.8 million viewers tuned in. That tops last year's record, Packers-Steelers 
Super Bowl 45, 162.9 million viewers. So, Griggs, some people thought this might get to 170. It didn't, but still, most watched program in the history of U.S. television pretty big audience. No surprise too. You got, you know, two big markets there with Boston and New York and uh, you know, of course like like we've talked about before, football's king. I mean, everybody in the nation is watching the Super Bowl basically. Anybody that likes sports and even then some that don't cuz you know, people watch for the commercials and the entertainment and all that too, but yeah, it was uh, it was fun. Uh, started a little slow for me, but built throughout the game and then ended up being, you know, kind of a nail biter there in the end. It was fun. Now, it was a thrilling game. Um, online broke Records too. Uh, so NBCSports.com, more than two million people streamed Super Bowl Forty Six, and uh, you know that's a record too. I watched some of it on streaming. I got to tell you, I was not impressed. And the other thing is, you didn't see the commercials. You saw some generic commercials that just ran on a loop over and over again, but you didn't see what people were seeing on TV. I don't understand why they don't just run the same commercials you see on TV online, but uh, I guess that's a story for yeah. next year. You'd think they would. If they're paying $3.5 million, they just bonus on some online spots. But uh, yeah, I didn't watch any of this stream, but interesting that you know that many people did. So they've got the market out there, obviously, for it. Uh, people are were tuning in that way, too. And uh, obviously, that opens it up for maybe some more of the, the worldwide audience that way, too. Doritos won the Ad Meter Award. You know, Griggs, I was disappointed in the spots this year. There were, you know, maybe a few that I liked. I, I you know, I liked the Ferris Bueller one. I liked the Volkswagen spots. Um, there were a few others that resonated with me, but overall, I was like, wow, these landed with a thud. I agree, and I think uh, I was thinking in the past five years or so, this was probably my least favorite year as far as commercials. But uh, yeah, uh, few Ferris Bueller was probably my favorite one though. And, you know, again, you're spending three and a half, four million dollars in air, in airtime on a spot, then you're probably spending at least, you know, a million or two million dollars on the production. So, gosh, can't they come up with better spots? Now, the one spot that was my favorite spot by far was the Clint Eastwood Chrysler spot. First of all, unexpected that Clint Eastwood was in a Super Bowl spot. No buzz about that beforehand. They didn't put it online. Wyden and Kennedy, from where... We're from Portland, created the spot for Chrysler. But anytime you put Clint Eastwood in a spot and it had like the shadows of Clint Eastwood and, you know, it talked about how the game was at halftime and America's at halftime and what kind of a second half is it going to be? There were some interesting uh, storylines within the spot, but it was a good spot. Some people might say, well, it was a little too much like the M&M Chrysler spot in last year's Super Bowl, but this is Clint Eastwood. This isn't M&M. And then also, it was a little bit different of a, of a storyline, and it wasn't just Detroit. It was America and the economy we're in and what Chrysler and the companies around Chrysler are doing to try and get us out of it. I thought it was a well-done spot, and if I had to pick one spot that resonated with me the most, it would have been that spot. Yeah, I thought it was really well done. Like you said, it, it hit with the current times. You know, it kind of touched on some of the commercials are kind of humorous and out there and all this stuff, far-fetched stuff, but this one kind of hit with you know where America is and what we're doing, and and also like you said, they didn't they didn't release it beforehand. But this is one that's got a lot of hits after the Super Bowl. I mean, all week I've seen people posting at Facebook and Twitter and check this commercial out. So I think it's it's done well for them post Super Bowl. So a few other notes on the Super Bowl: ninety five million dollars is what was bet in Nevada legally on the Super Bowl. Uh, Ten billion dollars worldwide, but Vegas came out about five million dollars ahead. Now the uh, Patriots were favored by two and a half, three points, depending on where you bet. 
A lot of money was down on the Giants, but Las Vegas came out about $5 million ahead at the sportsbooks in Nevada. And Griggs, this is the 20th time in the last 22 years that Vegas has come out ahead, beaten the players in the Super Bowl. So the moral of the story is, don't go to Vegas, bet on the Super Bowl, and think you're going to come out ahead. Yeah, it's like the blackjack. You know, it's like the the uh, Chevy Chase movie. You don't you don't go against the dealer because uh, you know nine times out of ten they're pretty much going to come out ahead. Uh, a few other prop bets. The over under on Kelly Clarkson's anthem was like literally almost right on it. So depending on where you bet, it was the over under was a minute thirty four. Some people timed it right under a minute thirty four. Some people a little over a minute thirty four. Um, the Gatorade color. Purple was the color, and purple was not one of the choices on the prop bet. So if you bet on Gatorade, you got your money back because it wasn't any of the choices. It was purple. The coin toss, New England won the coin toss. So for the first time in 14 years, the NFC had their record streak that we told you about last week of winning the coin toss snaps. So now the AFC has a streak of one for winning the coin toss. Yeah, and I actually got to impress the friends I was with. I told them that stat before uh, before the game. Wow, Gregs. Yeah. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Then NBC puts the stat up on right after I said it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's how I roll. I got it. <laughs> it was pretty So, funny. but, you know, the thing that will be interesting out of this is what does this mean for Eli Manning? What does it mean for Tom Coughlin as far as endorsements? Will Coughlin get any endorsements? He's a pretty understated guy, but, you know, you look at, like, Joe Torre and Terry Francona, they do, like, you know, T Magazine ads, and, you know, there's some understated ad opportunities. Will there be any for Coughlin now that he's won his second Super Bowl? And then Eli Manning. I mean, his brother Peyton makes $15 million a year in endorsements more than any other NFL player, but Eli's in New York. He's now got two Super Bowls versus his brother's one. What will this mean for Eli? Does he have enough personality to get some more endorsement opportunities, or is he more like a Tim Duncan who has multiple rings but doesn't really resonate with consumers? That'll be interesting to watch. It will be, and we've seen uh, Eli with his brother in like the Oreo commercial, and you know, definitely Peyton takes the, you know, he keeps the commercial rolling. Direct TV, a yes, lot of the commercials, exactly. the This Is Sports Center commercials. Right. He's kind of an extra, though, so right. you're right. It could be a Tim Duncan where is he not comfortable being on the screen, being on TV stuff, but you know, it's also something that you know, after you do it a few times, he might get out of a shell. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. That'll be interesting. I think he's got a little bit of a personality, so sure. I'd like to see him doing a campaign by himself and see how that goes. All right, coming up next, it's Russell Baxter from ProFootballGuru.com. We'll put a wrap on the NFL season. We'll look back on Super Bowl Forty Six, some of the numbers there. Then it's Sam Amick, our NBA insider with SportsIllustrated.com. Brian Berger and Brian Griggs, you're listening to Sports Business Radio. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SBRadio. And do the things I want. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks 
Thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Joining me right now on the phone is Russell Baxter of ProFootballGuru.com. To put a bow on this NFL season, Russell has been kind enough to join me every week throughout the NFL season. Russell, quite a Super Bowl we saw. Well, it's becoming commonplace when these two teams get together, Brian, be it a regular season game or a Super Bowl. Um, you just got to make sure you're around for the last minute of the game. I mean, Flexco Burrs, 35 seconds left, Super Bowl 42. Jake Ballard, one-yard touchdown catch, 15 seconds left, week nine. Ahmad Bradshaw, I want to say touchdown run, but it was more like a touchdown squat. <laughs> 57 seconds left. So the last few times these teams have played, the game-winning points have come within the final minute of the game, and they've all gone the way of the New York Giants, who have a remarkable a track record in the Super Bowl. As you well know, they've, they've been to five Super Bowls, and they've uh, won four of them. Do you know that they have trailed at the half in every one of their Super Bowl appearances? Wow, so they're a great second-half team in the Super Bowl. I've got to give you credit. I'm pretty sure last week on my show you said that uh, watch out for Manningham and that he could be a factor in the game. I asked you for a player that's not a front-line player that could have an impact on the game, and you mentioned Manningham, and he had the biggest catch of the game. And one of the great catches. Um, I'm going to say one of the great catches of all time. But the concentration level was superb. And, uh, you know, I, I think the reason the, the, the challenge was issued on the play was more not the feet were down. I mean, the feet were clearly down. But I think, uh, the, you know, Bill Belichick and company hoping maybe he didn't have control totally of the ball. Uh, but, they, you know, he, he also had some off moments in the game as well. And it was remarkable that, that he turned out to be uh, just a spectacular catch. And, if, you know, if you go back to the beginning of the play, Brian, didn't it almost seem like Eli was throwing the ball out of bounds? Um, you know, I mean, it's I, I, the, the trajectory of his arm, Yeah. Uh, you know, it seemed like it was almost like a throwaway. And then he comes down with it. Just great touch, great concentration, great play. Um, and, and the New York Giants, who, uh, let me tell you something, this league is – if you think you can figure it out, and I do this for a living, you know, please give me a call. I'll, I'll send out my number. Um, let's not forget that the New York Giants were 10-6 and six last year and couldn't make the playoffs. And this year they went 9-7. and seven, And at one time they were 7-7 seven and seven off a second loss to the Redskins, and they wind up winning the Super Bowl. Well, they... They really had six weeks of playoffs. I mean, if they would have lost any of those games, their season's over. So they were used to playing in high-pressure situations. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, they kind of made their own, uh, you know, they kind of made their own bed in that regard. Um, but it was, it was, you know, in a, in a year where we saw the points and we saw the passing yards. You know, one team decided to play defense in the playoffs. Uh, you know, the, the Giants, so let's not also forget this. They were outscored this year in the regular season by six points. They gave up 400 points in the regular season, which is the most ever by a Super Bowl champion. They then turned around and gave up 56 in four playoff games. That's 14 a game. 
Um, great turnaround by them. Obviously played good defense the last couple of regular season games as well. Uh, but, you know, we had three teams in the league this year, Brian, score 500 or more points. None of them won the Super Bowl. We had all those quarterbacks throw for 5,000. Right. Now that's a little bit of a – so I don't want to go overboard on that because well, Eli was at 49-33, okay? He was one bomb away from being 5,000 himself. But, you know, somebody was going to have – defense really did make its presence felt in the playoffs. After all season, we saw the astronomical passing numbers and the point numbers as well. Yeah, and for the second year in a row, I mean, the word I always hear with the NFL is parody. For the second year in a row, we've had a low seed, get hot, and win the Super Bowl. Last year it was the Green Bay Packers. This year it was the New York Giants. And that's what I think is the great thing about the NFL playoffs. Really, as they say, on any given Sunday, someone can beat another team once you're in. Well, let's go back even a few years ago, Brian. Listen, let, in fact, let's go back to 2005. Wild card Pittsburgh Steelers in 11-5 and five have to win three road playoff games and then win the Super Bowl over Seattle. Uh, the Colts, when they finally won their Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, uh, were three seeds, okay? Uh, they had to take the long path to play an extra playoff game. 2007, wild card Giants, 10-6. and six, Three road playoff games and a Super Bowl cha- championship. 2008, the Steelers won a Super Bowl. Who did they beat? The 9-7 and Arizona Cardinals, who had to lead the game with two and a half minutes left. The only real clash of you know, big records in the last few years was the Saints and the Colts, 14-2 and 13-3. and You mentioned the Packers who beat the Steelers, another team, three road playoff games and then a Super Bowl win. And now the ultimate, a 9-7 and team, the third 9-7 and team to reach the Super Bowl in the 16-game schedule era, and they get the job done the third time with the charm. Russell, before I let you go, when it's all said and done and we look back on Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin and we look back on Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, how will this Super Bowl change the way that we look at both entities? Um, I think it more elevates Coughlin and Manning. I don't think it really does anything in terms of Belichick um, and Brady. To be honest with you, I don't think people realize this. Tom Coughlin, uh, as a head coach, owns a 5-1 and one career record against Bill Belichick, going back to his days when the expansion Jaguars in 1995, their very first season, beat Bill Belichick's Cleveland Browns twice. Of course, that turned out to be Belichick's last season in Cleveland, and the franchise also moved to Baltimore. So you, what you find out about football is styles, matchups, is a game of matchups. And obviously Tom Coughlin has found a way to match up against what Bill Belichick goes. Of course, remember, they were on the same coaching staff uh, for Super Bowl 25, when those uh, when those Giants, uh, you know, slowed down the high-powered Buffalo Bills. Russell, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much for joining me this season. I'd love to have you on uh, around the NFL draft. I know we've got 79 days until the NFL draft. Lots of speculation between now and then. So uh, let's get you on again. And how can people follow you on Twitter in the meantime? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at backsfootballguru. And if you're also interested in some of my other numbers, uh, you can find me monthly now, starting next month, in uh, NFL Magazine. All right. Thank you so much, Russell. And uh, take care. We'll talk to you soon. Brian, thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk with you and your family. I appreciate it. Have a great uh, couple of months. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. On the run, think I can feel the breath in your body.
Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Joining me on the phone, one of the best NBA reporters we have in the business. He writes for SI.com and NBAconfidential.com. It's our friend Sam Amick. Sam, how are you? Doing great, Brian. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. So you're a Bay Area guy. I was watching NBA TV last night. That uh, Oklahoma City Golden State game was a dandy. It was indeed. It was indeed. They, uh, I mean, the Thunder are always going to get out and go, and they're fun to watch. And and the Warriors, you know, put on a show of their own last night. They aren't doing that every time out. But you know, you almost felt for them. You know, you don't get the W on a on a night when your power forward, you know, has the the first triple double in, in the organization since Chris Weber in nineteen ninety three. Um, you know, Monte Ellis obviously was incredible with forty eight points and fun game, but uh Kevin Durant and, and Russell Westbrook and those guys got it done. Are there still the conversations within the Warriors organization that they're eventually gonna move either Monte or Steph Curry? Yeah, definitely. I mean I don't necessarily, you know, know what direction that goes. Um I actually just I hadn't tweeted it out yet, but I I turned my attention to the Warriors on on the SI side and kind of analyzed the the state of affairs there uh, on today's uh, coverage. But they feel like, uh, however they need to do it, that talent pool just is too shallow. They just flat out have got to have more talent and more balance. You know, they get crushed down low and they need a big man, something fierce. And and really, you look at the team and, and it's you know obviously. It's never personal, it's just professional, but, you know, they, uh, Monte and Steph Curry are, uh, you know, you got an overloaded backcourt and, and underloaded uh, frontcourt, so they got to do something there. Uh, let's talk about the game the other night between Oklahoma City and the Blazers. Did you see Scott Foster's goaltending call where the NBA came out yesterday and they said it was the incorrect call? I can tell you people here in Portland not very happy about it. But, uh, you know, Scott Foster's been involved in some controversial calls before, and obviously he's been linked to Tim Donaghy. But did you see the call the other night? I did, yeah. No, I mean, they obviously got it wrong. It, it's such a weird thing where you know, they're now announcing when they got something wrong. I mean, it's on the one hand, I applaud the, you know, I guess the acknowledgement of humanity, you can maybe call it, you know, the fact that they come out and say, okay, we made a mistake, but it's obviously tough. You know, if you're Nate McMillan, I don't think you uh, had a huge smile on your face and said, oh, that makes it better. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't help anything. Um, and then it's funny, and not funny, but just to pour some, some salt in that, in that wound for your audience, Brian, I talked to Kevin Durant last night asked him about the goaltending call and you know listen these guys are all competitors so nobody should be shocked but you know his his comment with a, a little grin on his face was 
was tough bleep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he actually he told a story about a game last year, and, and I didn't get all the details, but some game against the Blazers last year where he thought that he got uh, fouled or something like that. So he was convinced that, you know, that, that he got his just due. So they don't go to replay in that situation. They do over, you know, a two-pointer versus a three-pointer. Uh, how much time is left on the clock, possession. But they didn't in that case, and they have the technology right there. Do you think that's a rule that should change? I do, yeah. I, and and I, I understand the concern for just kind of the, the in-game experience, and I know they don't want it to become like football, you know, where you're waiting, you know, uh, just forever for replays to happen. But I generally think they've, they've done a nice job of getting through those replays fairly quickly. And that's just one of those where, you know, that's just huge. I mean, you know, who the heck knows what happens later in the season if the Blazers miss the playoffs by a game. You, know, you never know. Uh, that's a big play that uh, I actually didn't know the rules at the time and, and then obviously found out after the fact that the competition committee, uh, you know, ruled in this collective bargaining agreement that uh, that was not reviewable. Sam Amick of SI.com and NBAconfidential.com joining us on the show. Uh, what do you think about the Blazers' start so far? They got off to a real hot start, and it's cooled off a little bit. They've been terrific at home. But as far as the March 15th trade deadline, they've got some expiring contracts, some young talent. When you're talking to GMs and people around the league, what's the temperature you get as to how active the Blazers might be at the March 15th trade deadline? Well, I mean, they're a proactive group in general, the, the guys who are running the show now. So, you know, I, I expect them to, you know, it's, it's cliche, but true, just to explore all options and, and just, you know, try to, to mine out uh, some of the possibilities. Um, I don't necessarily hear them as, you know, being among the most active. They obviously, you know, had come close to doing some stuff earlier in the year. You know, Gerald Wallace looked like he was heading out of town, things like that. Um and when they started hot, I started thinking, like everybody else, that, you know, maybe they were going to roll with this bunch. But, you know, 14 and 11 uh, for, a you know, an organization that does have high aspirations, you know, that just doesn't get it done. So I uh, would not be shocked if, if they start getting more aggressive. The other thing is they don't have their point guard of the future on this roster. Ray Felton has been a big disappointment. Nolan Smith has shown he can't step up and assume those reins next year. So you would think either via free agency or more likely during a trade, they're going to have to go out and find a point guard. Yeah, it looks that way. I mean, and I'm sure they're disappointed and hoping that, you know, Felton turns his game around because I think they, they probably had a different vision for it. I think they, you know, thought they had more than they did, at least so far. So I would agree with that. And it's got to, you know, hurt him just a little bit to, to look at Denver and see, you know, the uh, the embarrassment of riches out there, you know, what they've got with obviously former Blazer Andre Miller, um, you know, and, and Ty Lawson doing his thing. So uh, I think you're on to something. I don't know what form that takes and, and who the heck they get, but uh, that is a, a spot that's not playing very well. Both Steve Nash and Jason Kidd are free agents at the end of this season, both in their twilight of their career, but uh, both in pretty good shape still. What do you think the market is for those two? I mean, it's, there's a market, you know, without question. You know, Nash has, has turned his game around this year. He started pretty rough, um, you know, and, and, and I was pretty shocked by that because he just had not skipped a beat, you know, at all in recent years. Even with the Suns losing, you know, he just kept doing his thing. And Jason Kidd, you know, obviously, uh, you know, his defense is still there. His motor is still there. His drive is still there. And, and I think there's going to be a market 
Um, you could obviously you can plug a guy like that into a team like the Blazers and and still you know cross your fingers and, and maybe you know next thing you know they are taking your team to the next level. Um, so that would be interesting. With Nash, he is the face of the Suns franchise, but I just I can't imagine where the Suns might not at least explore opportunities to move him at the March 15th trade deadline while you can get something for him instead of letting him walk for nothing this summer. I don't under yeah, I'm with you. I don't understand their mentality there. I think they probably should have traded him last year and this whole thing where if Steve asks for a trade, we'll grant it. It's just odd. I mean, this is a multi-billion dollar business that, you know, the team should be running away that, you know, bottom line, it just, you know, how does your team get on its feet again and, and have the best and brightest future going forward? And the Suns, I don't know. I just don't feel like they're necessarily operating, you know, with that charge. Um, they have a new front office group that's, you know, came in last year. And, uh, and I don't know where they go with it because what you do consistently here is that, you know, Steve's not going anywhere. And, and especially with those fans, that it's a fear that if you take Steve Nash away, they're just unwatchable. And I get that, but, you know, at some point you're going to have to, you know, that, that, that dark cloud is not going away, you know what I mean, just because you're, you're staving it off for now. I mean, you're going to have to pay that price at some point. Few minutes left with Sam Amick of SI.com and NBAconfidential.com. He covers the NBA and does a terrific job doing it. Uh, Dwight Howard. Where in the world is Dwight Howard going to wind up? It doesn't seem like Orlando is going to be his long-term destination. I see where Kobe Bryant has come out and basically said, Dwight Howard will be third wheel on this team behind me and Pau Gasol if we acquired him, which, you know, that's beyond me how you could say something like that, but I guess that's Kobe's narcissism kicking in. Where's Dwight Howard going to go? I, you know, we'll see. New Jersey is, is looking okay from the standpoint you know, or at least as, as the, uh, the kind of tentative leader in that race, uh, partly because of the Lakers stuff you're talking about. Now, listen, you know, just to be fair, Kobe, you know, that was a, an anonymously sourced report uh, about Kobe saying that stuff, and then he subsequently told uh, Peter Vesey of the New York Post that it was not true. Um, and so who knows what went on there. But you do seem to, to start hearing, you know, hearing that, that Dwight isn't necessarily headed to the Lakers. Um New Jersey is, you know, with the Lakers and, and Dallas, those were the three teams on his wish list and the only ones that he was probably going to get traded to before the deadline. So um, all that being said, I think it's still very possible that, that he you know, plays with the Magic until the end of the season and then decides, you know, does he just kind of pick his spot or there's some uh, feeling that he might even pick up the option in his deal and, and you know, and try to do things that way. So who knows there? I think the best place for him and the most value for him would be if you trade him to the Chicago Bulls and you build a deal around Noah, you could throw in Dang or Boozer. Um, and I think the Bulls have some riches that they could throw back to Orlando. Do you see any possibility? I know Dwight Howard said if it's in God God's plans for him to play with Derrick Rose, then it'll all happen. But uh, I think Chicago makes the most sense because New Jersey, what do they have? Because Otis Smith doesn't really like Lopez that much coming back. And what else do they have to throw into that deal? Well, I mean, the Jersey thing, and, and you're touching on a, the, the Orlando dynamic with the front office and the decision makers is, is kind of challenging. So you're right. Otis Smith doesn't like Brooke Lopez. But, you know, Otis Smith might not be pulling the trigger on the deal. Alex Martin, their new CEO and, and the ownership might be the ones calling the shots. And, and if that's the case, then New Jersey is, you know, still on the table with Brooke Lopez as a possibility. Um, I think, uh, Brian, what was the other scenario you threw at me? Uh, the Bulls. 
Yeah, the Bulls won. That is one. I mean, listen, Dwight did come out publicly and say, if God wants me there, I'll go there, da da da. I, you know, with all due respect to Dwight, I don't believe him for a second. Everything you're hearing is that he does not want to be there. He's trying not to be disrespectful to Derrick Rose and those guys. And so you say what you say, you know, when a reporter asks you in Chicago, you know, from the Chicago Tribune about playing for the Bulls. But uh, I do buy into and believe the storyline that. The, uh, his partnership with Adidas comes into play. That Derrick Rose is another, he is, you know, the number one Adidas guy. And that Dwight, you know, there is an element of not wanting to be overshadowed, uh, you know, which I think is absurd. Because from a basketball standpoint, you're dead on. I mean, that would be the best scenario. And Miami would, you know, wake up the, you know, the morning after that deal went down, you know, quaking in their boots. Uh, but for whatever reason, it, it really does seem like Dwight doesn't want to play there. That's Sam Amick of SI.com, NBAconfidential.com. Sam, how can people follow you on Twitter? At Sam underscore Amick, A-M-I-C-K. Great work as always. Thanks for this conversation. Always great to have you on, and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it, buddy. Stay in the know at SportsBusinessRadio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. This is Sports Business Radio. We're back, and this past Wednesday night, comedian, movie superstar, Saturday Night alum, Will Ferrell, was brought into New Orleans to do the opening introductions for the Bulls-Hornets game. And I'm telling you, Griggs, after listening to him do the opening intros, I think... He should do intros for all of the teams. I know that's not possible, obviously, but I'd like to see Will Ferrell do more opening intros. First of all, he's got a pretty good voice. So, you know, you're kind of like, wait a minute. He kind of has announcer guy voice. He could do the opening intros. But then he made them very, very funny. Take a listen to his introductions this past Wednesday night, Bulls versus Hornets in New Orleans. To introduce the starting lineups, Will Ferrell. For tonight's game between the visiting Chicago Bulls and your New Orleans Hornets. But first, the visiting Chicago Bulls. At forward, number five, he still lives with his mother, Carlos Boozer. (laughs) 
At forward, number nine, he collects rare birds and has a pet dolphin named Chachi. Luol Deng. At center, number 13, he's a Scorpio and a horrible dancer, Joachim Noah. At guard, number 11, he once ate 20 hot dogs in an hour, Ronnie Brewer. At guard, number one, his favorite movie is The Notebook, Derrick Rose. And the head coach of the Chicago Bulls, Tom Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Griggs, I love that. I think Will Ferrell should do intros for all the teams. Yeah. And he totally has announcer voice, like Derek Rose, <laughs> D- Tom Thibodeau. It was great. And, you know, the anchor man, it must have helped him because he was very, uh, you know, announcery in his delivery. <laughs> well, then what was the basketball movie he was in about the ABA? Uh, semi-pro. Yeah, semi-pro. So, yeah. I mean, he's got yeah. semi-pro, he's got... <laughs> Uh, anchor man, he's got a lot of rules that help prepare him for being a good announcer guy for the opening intros. But hey, uh, I liked it. I thought it was something different and funny. And I'd like to see him do some opening intros. Maybe some team out there will hire him as the PA announcer, but I bet he comes with a pretty hefty yeah. price tag. I was going to say, probably, probably would be pretty uh, spendy. But yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys when you see him, you just start laughing because he's just funny. You know he's going to be funny. You know he's always quirky in his, you know, his, what he's dressed like and his hair and all that stuff. So yeah, I think he did a great job. It's hilarious. Good times. So that's good stuff for this week. I want to thank our guests, Russell Baxter and Sam Amick. Thank our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Doug Zanger, and Max Waterman. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Click on the iTunes icon on the front page of sportsbusinessradio.com to have our show podcast download to your iTunes every week. We'd love it if you post a review of our podcast on iTunes. Let us know what you think. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio during the week. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. All the people in this world, let's come together more than ever. I can feel it. Can you feel it? Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio.